Today's lesson is Perik Yud Gimel of Hilchas Ishus, Chapter 13 of the Laws Concerning Marriage. Halacha Aleph, Paragraph 1. Kama haksus How much clothing is the husband obligated to provide his wife? We learned before that the husband has three biblical obligations, and one of them is to provide her with her clothing. How much is he required? What is the minimum obligation? Clothing should be given every year worth 50 zuz. Now, the Ramam explains that 50 zuz, that's according to the currency of those days, which is the equivalent, those 50 are the equivalent of six and a quarter silver dinar. In the rainy season, he gives her new garments, and in the summertime, she wears the older garments that are already somewhat worn out. Now, as far as the worn-out clothing, that is, that which is left over of her garments, they belong to her in order to be used to cover herself in the days when she is a menstruant woman. The husband is also obligated to provide her with a girdle for her loins, a covering for her head, and a shoe from one festival to another. Three times a year there are three special festivals, and that is the interval at which he has to provide her with all these things. When does the foregoing apply? In those days and in the land of Israel. However, in other times and in other places, the money that we just mentioned earlier is not the essential criterion. There are places where the garments will be more expensive or even cheaper. So we can't go by the criterion that was set out in those times in that country. What is the main criterion? We obligate the husband to give her such garments that are fit for his wife to be worn in the rainy season and in the summer season. And it should not be worth less than what any housewife in that country would require for her wearing apparel. Included in this obligation of the garments that he is obligated to give her are also house furnishings and the dwelling itself in which she resides. And what are the house furnishings that he is obligated to provide her? A bed that is spread, a mattress or a mat to sit on, and then eating and drinking utensils, such as a pot, a platter, a cup, a bottle, and the like. Now, that is as far as the house furnishings. As for the dwelling, he must lease for her a house at least four cubits by four cubits, with a yard outside for her use. It should also have a separate lavatory. Paragraph 4. He is likewise obligated to give her toilet articles, such as colored fabrics to wind around her head and forehead, eye paint, rouge, and the like, so that she might not seem unattractive to her husband.
Halacha hey, paragraph five. Bamedvarim mamurim. When does the foregoing apply? Be anusha be Israel. We're talking about the poorest in Israel. That is the minimum requirement. But if it's a wealthy person, we go according to the capacity of his wealth. Even if he can afford to buy her silken and embroidered garments and gold jewelry, he should be compelled to do so. Likewise, his dwelling place that he has to provide her should be according to his capacity, according to his wealth, and also the ornaments and the house furnishings are according to his capacity, the capacity of his wealth. If, however, he cannot even afford to provide her with the minimum amount as the poorest of Israel would have to do, then he should be compelled to divorce her and the ksuba should remain a debt upon him until such a time as he may grow wealthy. Paragraph 6. This obligation applies not only to one's wife, but also to one's little sons and daughters, six years old or less. He has to provide them with garments that are adequate for them, utensils, and a dwelling place to live in. However, the Rambam qualifies this. He does not, however, have to provide them according to his capacity, according to his wealth, as is the case with one's wife, but he has to provide them what their necessities require. This is the rule. Whoever is, he is obligated to provide with support, with food, both during his lifetime and after his death, so the same person he must also provide with clothing, house furnishings, and shelter. And just as the court have the right to sell a man's property in order to provide for his dependent's sustenance, so may the court sell his property in order to provide for the dependent's garments, house furnishings, and shelter. The same law that applies for food applies for garments, house furnishings, and a dwelling place. Paragraph 7. In the case of a woman whose husband had gone away and the court had granted an allowance for her sustenance, such as food, clothing, house furnishings, and dwelling rental, no allowance may be granted her for her ornaments, for her toilet articles. And the reason for this is since her husband, for whose sake she should adorn herself, is not even there. If, however, the husband becomes retarded, or he becomes a deaf-mute, she is then entitled to an allowance for toiletries as well, because we assume that the husband would have wanted his wife to be able to adorn herself. However, when the husband leaves without giving his wife anything for her, that itself is an indication that he's not really interested in providing her with these uh, requirements. Now the rule governing the husband's relationship to his wife in claims for garments, furnishings, and dwelling rentals is the same as in claims for food sustenance. 
Im Amr Hu Nosati, Vihio Meris Lonosata, Din Echad Lakol. If the husband says, I have already given you, and she says, You have not, the same rule applies to both kinds of claims, and they were discussed in the preceding chapter, chapter 12 of the laws concerning marriage. Halachaches, paragraph 8. Hamadiris Ishto, Shalotis Kashrit, Beechen Mikol Haminim, Boanius. Shana Achas Yikayim, Yeser Okein, O Yatiris Nidro, O Yotzi Vyitink Suba. If a man subjects his wife to a vow, that she should not adorn herself with a certain kind of cosmetic, then, if it is in the case of a poor woman, he may keep her for one year under that vow. Beyond that, he must either release her from that vow, or he must divorce her and pay her her ksuba. If she is a wealthy woman, he may keep her under that vow for 30 days, not a year. Beyond that, he must either effect a release from his vow, or divorce her and pay her her ksuba. Halacha test, paragraph 9. If a man subjects his wife to a vow that she should not frequent the bathhouse, he may retain her under that vow for one week in a city or for two weeks in a village. In a city, they would use the bathhouse more often. Then the Ramam continues, If he makes a vow, that she should not wear a shoe, wear shoes, If it's in a town, then if the vow takes effect for three days, then it's acceptable. But if it's for a city, then it's only acceptable if it's for 24 hours. Yeser Yatiris Nidro, Suba. Beyond that, he must either release her from his vow, or divorce her and pay her her Ksuba. Halacha Yud, paragraph 10. If the husband subjects his wife to a vow that she should not borrow or lend any house furnishings that people customarily borrow or lend, neighbors that is, lend and borrow from one another, for example, a sifter, a sieve, a hand mill, an oven or the like, he must either effect a release from his vow or divorce her and pay her her ksuba because by doing this, he thereby gives her a bad name in her neighborhood. Similarly, if she vows neither to borrow nor to lend a sifter, a sieve, a handmill, an oven, or the like, or not to weave handsome garments for the children, in a place where it is the custom for women to do so, she must be divorced and she loses her ksuba, because by doing this she thereby gives the husband a bad name in his neighborhood to the effect that he's a miser. And therefore she's not entitled to her ksuba. Paragraph 11. In a place where it is the custom for a woman not to go out into the street wearing upon her head only a cap, but to wear also a veil that covers her whole body like a cloak, the husband then must include in the garments given to his wife a veil of the least expensive type. However, the Raman says, If he was wealthy, he must give her a veil according to the, his wealth. 
in order that she might wear it to her father's house, to a house of mourning, or to a wedding feast, and she would not be embarrassed by wearing something of a lesser quality. For every woman is entitled to go to her father's house to visit him, or to a house of mourning or a wedding feast, as an act of kindness to her friends and relatives, in order that they in turn reciprocate, and they will visit her on similar occasions. For the wife, for the woman, is not in a prison where she cannot come and go. However, the Rambam qualifies this somewhat. On the other hand, it is unseemly for a woman to be constantly going out abroad and into the streets, and the husband should prevent his wife from doing this, and should not let her go out except once or twice a month, as the need may arise. Rather, the proper thing for a woman is to sit in the corner of her house, for so it is written in the book of Psalms, All glorious is the king's daughter within the palace. And that is the reason why she should rather stay home, because she is a queen, and there is more glory for her in a private, more modest type of situation. However, when there is a need for her to go out, there is no restriction. Halacha Yudbeis, paragraph 12. Hamadir is ishto shalotelech labesa viha. If a man subjects his wife to a vow not to go to her father's house, now if her father resides in the same city, the husband is given one month. If he persists in his vow for two months, that means one month and extra, more than one month, he must divorce her and pay her her ksuba. That's where the father resides in the same city. If the father resides in another city, the husband is given time until the expiration of the next festival, three festivals of the year that Jews would have to go on a pilgrimage. He has until the next festival. Now, if two such festivals have passed by, he must divorce her and pay her her ksuba. Halacha Yud Gimel, paragraph 13. If a man subjects his wife to a vow not to visit a house of mourning or a wedding feast, he must either effect a release from his vow or divorce her and pay her huksuba. And the reason for this is, because this is the equivalent of confining her in a prison and locking the door before her. If, however, the husband claims that the reason that he is restricting her from going to the mourner's house is because there are some immodest people in that house of mourning or at the wedding feast, and the presumption is that there are indeed such people, then his wish is to be honored. Halacha Yudalad, paragraph 14. If a man says to his wife, I do not wish to have your father, your mother, your brothers or your sisters come to my house, his wish is to be honored, and she should visit them instead when anything happens to them. 
She should also visit her father's house once a month and on each pilgrimage festival. However, they, the father, mother, or brothers and sisters, should not visit her when the husband does not want it, unless something has happened to her, such as illness or she delivered a child. For no person may be compelled to let others enter his premises. Therefore, if she says, I do not wish to have your mother or your sisters visit me, nor do I wish to reside in the same courtyard with them, because they cause me harm and they annoy me, her wish is likewise to be honored, for no person may be compelled to let other people reside with him in his territory where he lives. Halacha Tezvav, paragraph 15. If a man says, I cannot live in this dwelling place because there are wicked people or immodest people or non-Jews who live in this neighborhood and I'm afraid of them, we do honor his request. Even though there is no presumption, we have no evidence that these people are indeed immodest and act improperly. Because so have our sages enjoined us, keep your distance from an evil neighbor. And even if the dwelling place belongs to his wife, she may be removed from the dwelling place so that he might dwell among decent people. Similarly, if it is she who says this, that she wants to go elsewhere because there are immodest people where we live now, her wish is to be honored, even if the husband says, I am not particular about them, I don't care. Because she, the wife, may say, I do not wish to get a bad name, ruining my reputation by residing with such people as neighbors. Halacha Tezayin, paragraph 16. The inhabited world is divided into several lands, such as the land of Canaan, the land of Egypt, the land of Yemen, the land of Ethiopia, the land of Babylonia, and the like. Furthermore, each land consists of cities and villages. Now the cities of the land of Israel are, as far as the laws concerning marriage, regarded as being divided into three different provinces. Yehuda, Transjordan, and the Galilee. We'll soon see how they apply to the laws concerning marriage. Halacha Yudzayin, paragraph 17. If a man from one country marries a woman in another country, she may be compelled to go with him to where he lives. Otherwise, she may be divorced and she loses her ksuba, because even though he did not specify at the time of marriage he married her on this understanding that she would live with him. 
If a man marries a woman in one land, and she is a resident of that land, and he wants to move elsewhere, he cannot force her to go to another country. But he could compel her to go from one city or from one village to another city and village in the same land. However, he cannot force her to go from a city to a town or from a town to a city. Because there are advantages in living in a city and there are advantages in living in a town. So if she is accustomed to one, he cannot force her to go to another. Paragraph 18. Now, in moving her from one city to another, or from one village to another, which we learned in the preceding halacha that that is permitted, if it's in the same land, he may not move her from a fine location to a mean one, or vice versa. And the reason for this is, Because in a fine location, there's a disadvantage. She has to go to the trouble of taking pains about her appearance, in order that she should not be thought of as ordinary and unattractive. So she might not want to go to a finer place. She, he should likewise not take her from a place where the majority of inhabitants are Jewish to a place where the majority of the inhabitants are non-Jewish. However, wherever it is, in all cases, he may move her from a place where the majority of the inhabitants are non-Jews to a place where the majority of the inhabitants are Jewish. And this is so even if he takes it from a place that is a very fine place to a place that is inferior because of the fact that here the majority of the inhabitants are Jewish. Halacha yutes. When does the foregoing apply? If the husband wants to take her from one country to another in the diaspora outside of Israel or from one region or province in Israel to another. But if it's from outside of Israel, from the diaspora to Israel, the husband could compel his wife to go up with him, even from a fine dwelling place to a mean dwelling place, even from a place where the majority of people are Jews to a place where the majority of people are non-Jews. He has the legal right to compel her to move with him to Israel. Conversely, one cannot force his wife to go from Israel to the diaspora, even if it's from an inferior, less attractive dwelling place to a better and finer dwelling place. And even if it's from a place in Israel where the majority of people are non-Jews, to a place outside of Israel where the majority of people are Jewish. In the next halacha, which is halacha chaf, paragraph 20, and the final halacha of this chapter, the Rambam continues, If the man wants to go to Israel and she does not want, she leaves without the benefit of the ksuba. She forfeits her ksuba. 
Yotzi v'yitink suba. If, on the other hand, she wants to go to Israel and he refuses, then he gives her a divorce, but she has to, she's entitled, rather, to her ksuba. He must give her the ksuba because she wants to go to Israel and he refuses. The same law that applies to going from outside of Israel to Israel applies from any place in Israel to Jerusalem. The rule is that everyone has the right to compel the spouse to go up to Israel and no one could force the spouse to go away from Israel. Same, by the same token, so may any spouse compel his or her mate to move to Jerusalem from any part of the land of Israel, but not to move from Jerusalem because of the superior Kedusha holiness of Yerushalayim. However, there are authorities who say that that was only true in the days when we had the Beis HaMikdash. There was a mitzvah to live in Yerushalayim more than any other part of Israel, but nowadays there is no such distinction. With this, the Rambam concludes the 13th chapter of the laws concerning marriage. Perik Yud Gimel, Mehilchos Ishus.